it's, it's, just, it's just really nice, but you're on your best behavior. And you drive home with your husband or your wife, and you say, uh, how was the party for you? And they say, well, it was okay. And they say, how was it for you? And you say, well, you know, it was okay, it was nice. What was wrong with that party? It was, it was okay. I guess I'm glad we went. What was wrong with, with that picture? Anybody? Thank you. You never got to be yourself. See, they invited you and they had good intentions. They wanted you at the party. But it was a formal thing. And you were on your best behavior. And I don't know about you folks, but I hate to be on my best behavior. Because first of all, I don't have a best behavior. I have a moderately better than the crass individual I am most of the time behavior. And I always feel at these parties like I'm putting my foot in my mouth or I tell the wrong joke at exactly the wrong time. I'm wondering how many people can I offend tonight? And it's not a contest and I don't want to. It's just like it's inevitable. And so parties that require me to be on my best behavior are parties that are requiring, they are requiring me not to be me. Do you understand? I'm playing a role. Okay. So you invite the Holy Spirit to come to church. Any lights going on for anybody? Holy Spirit, we really want you to come this morning, but you need to understand some things about us. First of all, you need to wear a suit. And for the first, I don't know, couple, say 10 years, of you coming to our church, would you sit in the back? And I don't know about you, but we, Holy Spirit, are a church of order, and so we have a program. And if you just stick with the program, and right now, at this point, you're not really part of the program, but we love you being here. So if you just sit and at the back and just kind of control yourself, because I've heard stories about you. Boy, I have heard some, and I'm not saying that they're true. But if there's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. H.S. So, H.S., if you really wouldn't, because we're now on a first name basis, I can call you H.S. If you, if you just, you know, for the sake of the good of the whole, if you just be on your best behavior, please don't do anything goofy. Don't embarrass us. get the picture? How much does he enjoy it? And who was church for anyway? And why did we invite him if we didn't want to let him be himself? Guys, he is a little bit different. He does get out of hand sometimes. His idea of order is not much like ours. See, we say do everything in order, which means suit the program I put together and I'm sticking to. And he says, well, gee whiz, guys, whose order did you want? Your own or God's? Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. You with me? So anyway, we're going to get practical today. Uh, two weeks ago, you ought to get the CD. Is on the difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy, which is critical to understanding if you're going to be useful and helpful in the church. Then last week was some more on that, which I think was pretty good. 
And then yesterday we had a three-hour session on how do you hear the voice of God? How do you discern when he's really talking to you or not? What are the six or seven ways that he uses to communicate with you? And I wish you were all there because it was really cool. It was really a good time. But uh, you weren't, and so you get another chance. Here's how it's going to work. The people that were trained yesterday are all intent on going to the mall next Friday night and on Saturday. And we are going to take prophetic words, messages from God to total strangers. That's exciting. It's terrifying. And it's wonderful all at the same time. When it works, it's amazing. It's really, really cool to be in supernatural cahoots with God. But let's say you missed yesterday and you say to yourself, that really sounds like fun. Well, actually, it's terrifying, but it's exciting. Um, I'd like to go, but I don't think I want to go all the way with it. That's perfectly okay. What you can do is you can be part of a team of two other people who are going to get wild and wonderful and take risks, and you can be the social anthropologist, and you can just watch and see what happens. Really, it's totally okay to do that. I did that for a long time before I ever took a risk. And it's a great way to learn by watching others do it, taking mental notes. Or maybe you can say to yourself, this thing, this going up cold turkey to strangers and saying, I think God might be saying something to me about you. Would you like to know what it is? That's a little creepy. We have a booth. We have a table for praying for people where they're going to come to you to receive prayer. So you're not even getting in their face saying, would you like me to pray for you? You're just sitting there and they see this booth that says free prayer. And they think, wow, my nerves are shot. This is the season of peace and joy and I wish I was dead. Gosh, I could use some, I could use some prayer. So they'll come to you and you can be part of that. You don't even have to pray for them. You can just sit beside the person that prays for them and watch and see what it's like. Guys, it's a killer way to learn. So we have everything from no risk to wow risk factor. You can plug in at any level, okay? So would you think about doing that? It's going to be a real adventure next weekend, Friday night and Saturday, and the sign-up sheets are there. Today's message is the five W's of prophecy, who, what, where, when, and why, and how. That's an H, by the way, if you missed it. W's and an H. So let's start. Oh, I love this. Nothing like being in a supernatural church. (laughs) Oh, the five W's of prophecy. There we are. Okay, the first one. Follow the way of love, and John's already spoken about this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So, this answers the who question. Who is it that should be... Uh, eagerly desiring, desiring spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Who is that speaking to? Everybody. Absolutely everybody. Prophecy is for everyone. Why? Because all Christians have the Holy Spirit within them. You got Him when you got saved. You received the Holy Spirit. Was anything of Him missing when you received the Holy Spirit? Okay, you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Since these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not the gifts of you, these are the abilities of Him within you, every spiritual gift is already within you. So you have that gift of prophecy. 
Now, all can prophesy, but not all will be prophets. Do you understand the difference? This is an important difference because it can be very intimidating. You can watch a person who is a, a prophet, and I'll explain that in a minute. You can watch someone who's really, really good at this gift, and you can say to yourself, oh, man, there's not a hope of me doing it like that. I, I can't do it like that. And so you can back off and say, it, is, it must not be for me. There's a difference biblically between prophecy and being a prophet. Everyone is intended by the Lord and gifted by the Lord to prophesy from time to time. But not everyone makes a ministry of it to where you do it so consistently that people around you identify you as a prophet. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a ministry office. Everybody prophesies. That doesn't lead to everybody ending up being a prophet. But our goal should never be to end up to be a prophet. Our goal should be to end up whatever God wants us to be. And so we minister and we love people with our gifts. And if we find ourselves prophesying a lot with a high degree of accuracy and the people around us identify that as useful and godly and good, someday that label may get hung on you. But you know what? The label is never the point. Loving people is the point. Obeying God is the point. So it doesn't matter whether he wants you to be a prophet or not. Who cares? What he wants you to be is someone that loves people. And everyone needs to hear what God thinks for them. Everyone needs to know he cares. And prophecy is one of the most powerful ways of letting people know that God hasn't forgot their name, hasn't forgot their life circumstances, and cares about them. So that's the who. It's for everybody. What is prophecy? Prophecy is simply speaking words that only God can speak. It's knowing what only God can know. It's speaking a word from God for a particular person or a group at a particular time for a particular purpose. It's really pretty simple. It's his message to either an individual or a group of individuals or a church and sometimes maybe even a nation. Where do we prophesy? In the New Testament, the gift is primarily for the purpose of encouraging, building up, strengthening, and giving comfort to the church. But, and these are, these are the proof texts, by the way, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. You can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. What this means is that the majority of our prophecy is going to take place within the church because we're about building up the body. But it has its uses outside of the church as well. For unbelievers, those that don't know God yet, prophecy functions as a sign, just like a road sign that says what you can expect ahead, or am I on the right track, or how do I get to this town, or where's the next gas station, where is my life going, what should I be doing? Prophecy acts as a sign, a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit to speak directly into that person's life. Here's the text that explains this. If the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say, you guys are crazy? What the heck is this? Everybody jabbering in unknown languages all at once? It's just a cacophony. 
But if an unbeliever, someone who does not understand, comes in while everyone is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming God is really amongst you. This has happened to me a number of times. I was in Guadalajara last year doing prophetic ministry at a church down there. And there was a girl sitting near the back and I called her forward and she came up and and I said, you've been gone a long time. I didn't know who she was from Adam. I said, you've been gone a long time. You've been wandering outside the church and your life has been broken. And all of these tragic things, I named a bunch of things that had happened to you. These things have happened to you and now you're coming back. And God wants you to know that He has forgotten about all the failures and He's just glad that you're home. And He's welcoming you back into His house and back into His family. I found out afterwards it was the first time she'd come back to church in several years. All the things that were said were true. She wasn't sure she was going to find love and acceptance when she came back to the Father's house. And she got a supernatural word from God from a total stranger the first Sunday she came back after those years that spoke exactly to the issue she was facing and the fear she had when she came back. And she just blossomed. It's like, oh, that's what she needed to hear more than anything. It's an amazing gift. It really is. Okay. When? Anytime. Anytime it's needed. Now, the instruction is about when we meet together corporately, when we come together as a group in the church, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. You see, the spirit of prophecy, and the Bible tells us this, is subject to the control of the prophets. This is what John was talking about where we want it, but we want it in order. We don't want just a zoo of everyone standing up at once and and, and shouting out what they think God is saying. What good is that going to be if you can't pick out the message? So the Bible says if there's going to be prophecy in church, two or three should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. What this means is that you don't have to give the word immediately or even at all. Why would you get a word from the Lord and, and not give it? What purpose could he have for giving you a message right then and there in church and it not be appropriate for you to share it? Yeah, Ken. Maybe that word's for you, not for the rest of the body. I told this story about a young prophetic person came to their pastor and said, I had this, this dream uh, last night and in the dream I saw an empty kitchen table. And then all of a sudden on the table appeared a knife and fork and a plate. But the plate was empty. And then the number 40 started flashing on the plate. 40, 40, 40. And I believe I know what it means. And I'm telling you, Pastor, that what it means is the church is supposed to go on a 40-day fast. That's the interpretation. And the application is you should get up and you should tell the church we should go on a 40-day fast. You know what? That's a rational interpretation, isn't it? That's quite possible that that's what that word is is for. The pastor said, well, wait a minute. How do you know that word's not just for you? Maybe you're supposed to go on a 40-day fast. 
How do you know it's for everybody else? And the person was stumped. They ended up, they ended up realizing it really was for them, not for everybody else. These things need interpretation. Sometimes the Lord will give you a word. I remember my, I told this story yesterday. My father was praying for a um, young girl who had come to one of their meetings and, and she was in her early 20s having a whole lot of psychological problems. And he and his prayer partner uh, were praying for this girl. And in the middle of the prayer for her, very clearly this thought came into my father's head, into his mind. She's had an abortion when she was in her mid-teens. And the problems she's having now psychologically are related to this abortion. So he thought about that and thought, okay, I, this is probably the root of the problem. So what I'll do is, I'll just kind of subtly ask her some questions that give her an opportunity to share that. So he said, did anything uh, really bad happen to you a number of years ago when you were in your mid-teens? Something very difficult for you to go through? Something tragic? A loss? And she said, no, no, not at all. And they went on and they made no progress at all in praying for her. My father was tempted to just come out and say, I think maybe you had an abortion when you were in your teens. But he didn't feel right about it, so he didn't. She left, and very little progress was made. And he turned to the woman that he prays with, Pat, and he said, Pat, did you get anything for her while we were praying? And Pat said, yeah, she had an abortion when she was 14. And my dad said, yeah, I got the same thing. He said, Pat, why didn't you share it? And Pat said, oh, the Lord told me not to. My dad said, well, then why did he tell us? And she said, oh, she's not ready. But we need to pray for her. So that the next time we counsel with her, we've laid a foundation of prayer, of strength and love and acceptance, so that when she talks about these things, she'll be able to talk about these things and survive the healing. And survive the healing. We run ahead with the prophetic word. We think just because God shows me something about somebody else's life, I'm supposed to run up to them and tell them. We know, don't we? From practical experience, often that blows right up in your face. God didn't tell you to go and confront the person or even tell them you know about some painful thing in their past. He told you so you could pray for them, so that you could intercede for them. And I'll tell you what, a lot of times, this is interesting, if you get a prophetic word from the Lord about somebody else's problem, instead of going and talking to them, you begin praying every day for them on that issue. Fervently, every day. What you find is, when you this has happened to me several times, when I go three or four months later to talk to the person about the issue, as soon as I begin to bring it up, they say, oh God, heal that. When? Oh, in the last couple of months. So we don't have anything to talk about. No, that's great. Thanks for bringing it up, but it's better. Wow. See, a lot of prophecy is military intelligence. It's telling us what the enemy's doing in somebody else's life. Not so that we can go in and be the Marines. It's so that we know how to pray. So that God, it, our prayers for someone else's issues and healings gives access, greater access to the Holy Spirit to go in and touch their hearts. I don't understand that. 
I don't know how that works. I just know it works. So not every prophetic word that you get is supposed to be given. About 80% is supposed to be prayed. It's military intelligence for the howitzers of intercession. Why prophecy? Who, what, where, when, why? Everybody needs to know God is thinking about them and they want to know what He thinks. I got the time. I'm just going to tell this story again because I've told this story to you a couple times, but if there's one person that needs to hear this, I want you to hear it. Last year in Houston, Wednesday night, doing a prophetic workshop at a church down there, and we did the exercise that we did yesterday at the class, which is a way cool exercise. I spent about an hour explaining how God speaks to us, how to discern if it's Him or not, And there's a lot more to hearing the voice of God than we think. He communicates in a very rich and broad variety. And I explained them how to hear the voice of the Lord and then said, okay, find the person in the room that you know the least, a total stranger if you can. Come together. Don't say anything about your lives. Just sit down quietly together. And then we're going to pray and ask the Lord to speak prophetically and see what each of you gets for the other person. And then when we're finished, you're going to share it with one another. And if you want, you can come up and share it with the whole group. So we did this. Well, there was two guys, maybe 19, 20 years old. One of them went to the church I was at. And another guy, I don't know how he got there, came from another church. And he was up in the corner and this guy was down here. They were the last two people to hook up in the pairing off thing. So they were in a hurry. They didn't introduce themselves. They didn't give their names. They just sat down. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, please communicate prophetically to everybody in this room for the partner that they're praying with. Well, they finished. We all finished. And I said, is there anybody that would like to come up and talk about what they heard from the other person and why they think it was from God? We wanted to do a reality check. Find out if this little exercise was really working or not. So they were the first or second twosome that came up. And I said to the first guy, what did he say to you? And he said, oh, he only said one word. And you know, I'm thinking, that can't be much of a prophetic message. One word? Like one word from God, and this guy thinks it's significant? I said, what was the word? He said, well, he said, um, his name was Matthew. I think it was Matthew. He said, he said, Matthew. And I said, why is that significant? He said, well, that's my name. And we never were introduced. He just said, God says to you, Matthew. And I, and I said, I, I'm, I'm pretty thick. And I was real thick at this moment. I didn't get it yet. I said, why is, I said, Matthew, why is that significant? And he looked at me like I was a complete idiot. He looked at me and he said, that God knows my name and hasn't forgotten about me. And it hit me. We all feel that way a lot of the time. That God's somehow forgotten about us. He's busy counting hairs. Well, in some cases, it's a lot more demanding than in others. He's out there running the universe, counting hairs, you know, numbering hairs. And he's too busy to know about my life. And God says, Matthew. And then I said to the other guy, did he have a word for you? He said, yeah, he had one word for me. I said, what was it? He said, John. I said, is your name John? He said, yes. 
struck him the same way. And tell this other story because it's so cool. We were training on a Sunday night, teaching people to do this same exercise. Here's how God speaks. We're going to be quiet for two minutes. Silence our heart. Be still. See if we receive anything from the Lord and then share it with the person. But instead of sharing it with the person, I said, just share it with the whole room. You get anything at all. Just share it with the whole room. And, and that's kind of risky because you never know where that's going to go. So anyway, I taught on it, modeled it, and then prayed and said, Lord, speak to this whole group of people, anything you want for anybody here in this room. Now, waited about two minutes because God talks pretty fast. He does, you don't have to squeeze it out of him. He's chatty. He's communicative. So waited two minutes. He communicated. I said, okay, anybody hands. Hands anybody that they think they heard from God. One guy at the back says, uh, yeah, I saw this mental picture. It was like a cartoon picture. It had a big wooden desk. And on the big wooden desk was a leather bag of money. A huge leather bag of money tied up with this. You know what cartoons? And then they have the dollar sign on the bag so you know it's a bag of money. It's a cartoon bag of money. He says, well, I saw this big cartoon bag of money on the desk. And I said, does that mean anything to anybody here? Big cartoon bag of money on a desk. And a guy says, he's a waste engineer. Peter is his name. One of our elders back in Canada. Cool guy. Travels all over the world doing waste management, sophisticated environmental stuff all over the world. High level guy. He said, uh, my company's going for a major financial restructuring with the bank yesterday. If we don't get it and it doesn't go through, we're finished. I said, okay, you with the cartoon bag of money, And Peter, you guys go off and pray together for that issue. Off they go. Start hearing more. And people are pairing up. I'm really excited. Like, this is working. This is working. It's it's hooking up. People are getting together. Then there's this new lady. She's sitting right where Margie's sitting. And uh, never seen her before in my life. She wandered into the meeting. I don't know how she didn't know anybody. She just came into our meeting. And she's sitting there. And behind her is Joy. And in front of her is Laurel. And I'm, anybody else, anybody else, anybody else. And uh, Laurel, where Mary's sitting, she puts up her hand and she says, man, I really don't want to share this because it's so stupid, but I can't get this mental picture out of my head. I said, what is it? She said, I see a cat. I just see this cat. And I said, does cat mean anything to anybody here? I'm thinking maybe someone's got a sick cat or something. Nobody says a word. Then, a few minutes later, Joy, behind that new lady, she sticks up her hand and she said, well, I wasn't going to say this, but since Laurel did the cat thing, i got to tell you, I can't get a mental picture of a bear out of my head. I just keep seeing this bear. And I said, does bear mean anything to anybody here? Like, you're just like, oh God, please, let's get through this. <laughs> does bear mean anything? To... No, not a word. Okay, so people keep pairing up. So we got the new lady, the cat, and the bear. And, and pretty soon there's like only six people left and three of them are the new lady, the cat and the bear. So I look at the new lady because I didn't want her going home hurt or, or, or empty, you know, not touched. I said, ma'am, I, I don't know you, but you're here tonight. And, and is there anything we can pray for you for? Are you going through anything hard? And she said, yeah. And I said, would you like a couple ladies to pray for you? And she said, yeah. And I said, Laurel and, and Joy, would you please take that lady down the hall and pray with her? Off they went. 45 minutes later, guys, I'm not exaggerating, not making this up. 45 minutes later, they come back and Joy walks up to me and she is beaming. She is beaming. I said, what happened? She goes, Mark, you got, it's unbelievable. I said, what is it? She said, that lady that we went and prayed for, me and Laurel. I said, yeah. She said, she's Russian. Her last name is Bear. 
the nickname her parents gave her as, as a child is Cat. That is just so cool. So this woman walks in to a meeting, desperate and hurting, needs to hear from God. And God names her with the woman behind her and the woman in front of her. And she just, she didn't get it in the moment. She was so rattled. And they're the ones I said, would you please go pray with this lady? And out they go. And she meets the Lord. Isn't that the, everyone needs to know that God has not forgotten them, that he knows their name, and that he cares about their life. It's for everybody. Why? Because everybody needs to know that. What are the uses of prophecy? First of all, we know this, it's for encouragement. It's not to correct people, you guys. If God shows you something negative about somebody, instead of sharing it, pray for them. Plants grow in the light, not the dark. Okay? It's for encouragement. It's to aid in healing. Sometimes, this has happened to me so many times, you're praying for someone who's sick, you can't seem to figure out what went wrong, why, or what the source is, so you quiet and still your heart. You close your eyes. Uh, this, lady came, this lady came forward with epilepsy at a conference I was doing years ago in Canada. And she had suffered from epilepsy all of her adult life. And the Lord prompted me to ask this question and I said, did something really bad happen to you when you were a child? Something very traumatic? And she said, July 12th, 1963. I mean, when she, the date... And this was like 20-some years later. I, then now you know you hit pay dirt. I said, what happened? She said, I was five years old. I, was, I left the house to go to the park by myself. I shouldn't have. It was against my parents' instructions. But I went out of the house and I went to the park by myself. I passed by a neighbor's house that had a big German shepherd. It was always behind a wire gate. The gate was open and it rushed out at me. And I ran and I jumped up a tree and I climbed the tree and the dog circled the tree and tried to jump up and get me for about an hour. I was in that tree like that for over an hour. My brother finally came and found me and brought my, me home. I had my first epileptic seizure that night. The Lord spoke to me and said, this is fear. It was fear that opened the door for that thing. This is what she's been coping with all these years. Pray against that. See, Prophecy can be so useful in understanding the real issue for when you're dealing with someone who's sick. Sometimes it's not a physical problem. It's merely a physical symptom of something else that's going on. That's not all the time, but sometimes. Jesus in the paralytic. Jesus in the sick man, sick for 38 years. How do we do it? Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. The phrase weigh carefully means to evaluate carefully. How do you do that? How do you judge if a prophetic word is accurate or not and will be done? You, the recipient, get to judge the word. It is not for the prophetic individual or the individual who's prophesying. It's not for them to say, this is what the Lord says to you, now you better hear it. Do you understand? The judgment of whether or not it's an accurate prophecy does not belong to the prophetic 
person, the person ministering. It belongs to the person receiving. Why do I say this? The, 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 let me see if we can go back and find that scripture. No, I'm going forward, not backward. See the word others? Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. The Greek word others used there is of another kind completely. In other words, when it says two or three prophets should speak, it's not saying and the other prophets in the church should sit there and debate and figure out whether it's the Lord or not and then announce it to the congregation. The word others separates that completely from that group of prophets who are speaking. It's another kind completely should weigh carefully what is said. It's the body that weighs whether it's God. It's the person who receives the message who decides whether this is really God or not. And you know what that does? It takes the weight off. It takes the manipulation off. It takes the pressure off. Just because I might give you a prophetic word in this church does not mean for a minute that it's from God. Do you understand? And I do this a lot, and most of the time I'm right, but I'm not always right, and I wouldn't take it from me as accurate either. Because it's your life, your Bible, your prayer ministry, your time in the prayer closet with the Lord, you're seeking the wisdom of others, you're using the resources of the body in your life to figure out if this is really a message from God. It removes all chances of manipulation. And you don't have to make me feel better by saying, wow, that was really the Lord. Never feel pressure to respond positively to a prophetic word. You take it and you judge it and you decide if it's real or not. And in doing that, you talk to your growth group leader, you talk to your spouse, you talk to your wise friends and elders in the church, people that really know you, who can listen to it with you and make a good discernment. And above all, you use Scripture. If, if the word doesn't line up with what the Bible says, it's not a word from the Lord. Our subjective inner feelings and hearing the voice of God is not the bottom line for our life. The Bible is the bottom line for our life. Every single time. You look to see if the word you've received sounds like something Jesus would say. If it's all harsh. If you get a prophetic word and it's all harsh and full of condemnation, you know that's not the Lord. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge. I came to save. Now, God may correct you, but He's not going to belittle you or humiliate you in the process of correcting you. You know the coolest thing about God? He's corrected me a number of times. This is weird. Every time He nails me on my sin, at the end of the getting nailed, I feel better. I don't feel more worthless or rotten. I feel like He showed me a way out. He told me what was wrong. He let me know what I could do about it. Told me He loved me anyway. Patted me on the back and set me on my way. Getting corrected by God is really quite a wonderful thing. Way better than getting corrected by your wife. Well, it is. Sometimes my wife is God. The test is, first of all, Scripture. Secondly, does it encourage, build up, strengthen, and comfort? Test it by the accuracy for you. Is this prophetic word fitting a circumstance of my life? Is it speaking to some issue I'm struggling with? Is it addressing a fear I haven't gotten over? Is it, is it accurate to the life that I'm living? That's one of the ways you tell. Does it fit the context for the church or the person? Very practical. And finally, you test it also by the character of the prophet. If the guy's a complete nut job, 
I've run into a lot of quote-unquote prophetic people. The the self-proclaimed ones that come to you and tell you how prophetic they are, usually they're in debt, on their second or third marriage, church hopping, don't have any real friends, and live in some Steven Spielberg imaginary world of weirdness. (laughs) Those people, I don't let prophesy over me. I'm not interested. You know, because their lives are out of balance. They ain't living biblical lives, so what makes me think they're going to speak biblical prophecy to me? All right? That's it. How should we apply this? Amen. John. Well, I'm going to tell you how I think we should apply it. We're not going to do it in the service today because we're out of time. We're going to apply it in this way. It's the thought I had. If in your mind, the whole context... First of all, can we thank Mark for his teaching? The reason I had Mark teach us is because he is in the office of a prophet, so he's much more gifted to teach on this than I am. Um, But if in your mind, in context, this whole thing happens uh, in the hour and 45 minutes we're together on Sunday mornings, uh, you're incredibly limited in your view. The church is you, and you are here only for a couple hours on a Sunday morning. You, the church, are throughout the city seven days a week. So the gifts go with you. They're to be used in your marriage to prophesy over one another. When's the last time you prophesied over your spouse or your children or your friends? You see, the Bible says God wishes all of his people were prophets or to prophesy the spirit of prophecy. It's such an encouraging gift. So use it everywhere you go, asking God to give you words of encouragement for those around you. And that way the church is being the supernatural body that God wants it to be as the salt and light of the world, not just playing with little toys on Sunday mornings. All right. These gifts are for the body of Christ seven days a week, wherever you go, in the growth groups or wherever, and also for the world. Jesus used them all the time for evangelism. That's where they're to be used. So, also, if you don't feel you need this, that's not called being ignorant. That's called being arrogant. Because the Bible says that God desires that we all would prophesy because we all need to be encouraged and comforted. And if you don't feel, well, I don't really need that, then you're wiser than God. So let's not be ignorant and let's not be arrogant, okay? Let's just say, Lord, we want everything that you want us to have as a body. Can we do that together right now? Yeah. John, let's I've just... got to, I, 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 I think the Lord just spoke to me, so I've got to jump in with this. I think the way we're going to, we're going to end in a minute, but I believe a number of you are coming to the mall on Friday and Saturday, and I'd like to lay hands on you and stir up greater prophetic gifting in you. And some of you... Um, your hearts were stirred this morning about wanting this gift and you want it stirred up. And if you come forward, I'd like to pray hands, lay hands on you too and stir up that gifting. So as soon as we dismiss, mm-hmm. if you'd like to come up here, it won't take long. It'll just take a couple minutes. I'd like to pray for you, stir up the gifts within you and especially the gift of prophecy. Yeah, and we'll, we'll have the worship team come up and we're going to fill the house with praise. And if you need healing for your body or you just want a word from the Lord or you just want prayer or you want to give your life to Jesus. Salvation's a free gift. Heaven's a free gift. I don't care how good of a person you've been, you've been bad enough not to get into heaven. But that's why Jesus came and died for you. Because he's deeply in love with you and he sacrificed himself. And it takes your humility to say, I need a savior, I need my sins forgiven. And that can happen in a moment today. So as we, uh, let's all stand. And as, uh, as we begin to worship, if you need prayer for salvation, you want your sins forgiven, 
and you want to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart so that you and God can be right and you can walk out of here with God in your heart, then you come down. If you need healing for anything in your body, you come down. If you want to have hands laid on you for the prophetic, let's have those who want to come down for the prophetic specifically to go over to this side of the stage. Anybody else who wants to come down uh, for any other kind of prayer, salvation or healing or deliverance or anything else, you come down on this side. Now, I get to do one of my favorite things in life right now, and that is play the drums. So, as I go back there, God bless you. It's great to be home. Come up for prayer, and uh, we will see you uh, next Sunday. Next Sunday is a Christmas service, so, hey, bring a friend. I'm going to be giving a gospel presentation, so they'll hear the good news of Jesus Christ. God bless you.